Support for this podcast is brought to you by the Chicago School of Grappling. Learn to fight in the city you love. Get seven days free by visiting chicagoschoolofgrappling.com. Now I was roughly pushing about 254 pounds. Probably I would have to guess 35% body fat. So on stage I was 207 or something like that. Now on stage I want to be about 4 or 5%. I was probably pushing like 10 because of the large drastic changes that I made in my lifestyle, what I felt like I had given up and everything, I thought I was gonna go on that stage and place and at least get a trophy or something. I was 16th, so I basically got dead last. I left that stage like furious. Welcome to Real Fitness Bios, a show where we talk to bodybuilders, trainers, fighters, gym owners, and more as they talk about how they transform their bodies and their lives. I'm your host, John Lee, and today we're talking to Dr. Eric Smith, bodybuilder and founder of Optimal Health Chiropractic and Rehabilitation in the Willis Tower. When I look at bodybuilders, I think, whoa, you're so massive, lean, and cut. How did you get this way? Were you always healthy? Dr. Smith is one of these people, but his roots in childhood diet may surprise you. So I grew up in a very small town in Michigan called Clinton, which is a little outside of Ann Arbor. And growing up, I thought Ann Arbor was a big big city. So I knew I wanted to go to college myself because uh, my dad never graduated high school. And my parents, uh, my mom worked a lot, so it was two incomes. We really didn't have a lot of money growing up. But um, when I got out of school, uh, high school that is, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I figured that uh, with some of the jobs I had of like management and different things like that, uh, like I was working fast food and I managed one of those. Really? Actually, what, so, what, uh, it's so funny, what, what fast food? Changed? You're gonna laugh, it's, it's Kentucky Fried Chicken. I actually used to eat KFC like every day, and um, I actually got the leanest. But I was also 16 then. I played soccer all year round. I quit playing all of the main sports that my high school had, like football and baseball and all that, because I was pretty chunky. And then I started playing soccer all the time, and I worked at KFC, and I would literally just eat KFC pretty much every day. And back then, like, that was, to me, healthy. Growing up then, what were, because you mentioned your parents... You said did not have a lot of money. What was what were, what were your meals like growing up? Uh, That's sort of funny. So we would do some of the bigger things. Were going to be like TV dinners, your uh, fish sticks or whatever kind of sticks those are, breaded mystery meats, uh, chicken nuggets, whatever those were. And if we had anything that was going to be borderline healthy, it was going to be like something on the grill, something like steak. But to us, that was like a great week or like we did something really good or I did really well in sports or something like that. So, yeah. And then lots of processed things. We didn't make too much by hand. Um, Cookies, sweets were pretty available. I used to drink about a half a gallon of chocolate milk a day. Yeah. And that's where I, I joke. My mom, uh, funny story, she used to always call me husky, and I thought it meant muscular until I got older and figured out that that is not 
exactly what husky means. So then I was kind of offended because she'd be like, oh, my baby boy's just husky. It's kind of like the equivalent of saying, like, you're big boned. Yeah. So yeah, we didn't have a lot of healthy choices. I had no idea and thought in my mind growing up the way that I did, like basically dad didn't graduate high school, started my first six years living in a trailer, um, that I would ever be able to be a doctor and, or such. So I just didn't think like, almost like a caste system, kind of like, you know, this is what you're gonna do, you're gonna work in a factory. But um, so I, I really didn't have uh, an idea what I wanted to do. So I just did business and communication because it seemed like talking to people, being around people and just like kind of leadership was something that I wanted to do. But one big change that started me to change my health and ideas, I guess, not really my health yet, was I used to work at the University of Michigan in their pediatric pharmacy um, and, learn, and was a pharmacy tech. This was, this was after college. This is undergrad. This is an undergrad still? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I worked full time while I was in school because I uh. couldn't. Basically, my parents gave me about $500 to go to school on. Wow. So um, for entire school, not yeah. like a week or... <laughs> A trimester it was it was like here's 500 bucks or so and they could help out when they could but I pretty much had to pay everything on my own so I worked full-time at the University of Michigan when I decided to leave there I actually started and wanted to put more muscle on because I was about some 510 I was about 150 pounds and really no muscle I never lifted until I was about 22 and I met some friends in college that were more beefy and I wanted to put muscle on I played soccer all the time and I then I was drinking a lot so um, so I wanted to do that, and then I learned, and uh, I left the, the University of Michigan and went to go work at Bally's Total Fitness. Really? Yeah. So my goal with that was like, okay, I still want to, I, I got I to work, but I want to find something that I can apply some business knowledge to. So I went to go work at Bally's, and then quickly I was promoted to like uh, GM of my own smaller gym. And so I started working out a little bit, definitely not to the degree that I am now. So I did that, and then I started reading up on um, supplements because I went to, uh, it was a vitamin shop, very young back in the day uh, when that was open. I found one, they gave me a free book that was basically a physician's desk reference for supplements. So just like I had read that book when I was younger, I started thumbing through it. So how do we, you know, I wanna know how to build muscle quicker. I mean, that's what people want, right? I want to, how, how can I catch up to all my friends that are so strong? Right. So nowhere was there a page that said, quickly fix your diet, or I skipped over or quit drinking, that would help too. So uh, but anyhow, so that's where I started to get interested in like supplements. I was part of Bally's on Clark and Diversity. Okay. That one. And, you know, it was like standard gym and, and whatever. And you'd see all the, you see all the stuff that's happening there. You'd see some young people sitting at the front desk and a lot of older people doing whatever, swimming, whatever. But from from Bally's when you were there, did you get to interact with some of the customers there or the regulars? Oh, I did, yeah, quite a bit because there was such sales driven. We had quotas, we had to get referrals. We'd actually, at the one I was at, we, were, we would bug members a lot. Like, hey, I need to get some more people in here. Who do you know? I have some free passes. So I got to interact a lot with them, but it, on that point of my life, it was more salesy. Right. It definitely wasn't like, ooh, let me help train you or have you consider these supplements or definitely wasn't on the physician side or mindset then, it was more just sales. From the ones that you remember, like what would you have done to help them hit their goals better if you could have changed that balance in any way? Uh, the main things that people would come in for or they would say would be lose weight or gain muscle, but the real things that they were coming in is probably 
some emotional things such as um, trouble in relationships, feeling inadequate, not doing very well in their job, stress relief. Um, they just maybe had a huge breakup or divorce. So there's usually a lot of emotional reason and that's what led to maybe they need to lose weight because of that stress. So really getting them to realize that part and then this is how we're gonna do it versus the superficial of like, I just need to work out. So that's an easy sell, like cool. But if you delve a little bit deeper and find out the real why with somebody and if their why is strong, they're gonna accomplish their goals. But if their why is weak, the first sign of confrontation in terms of like not wanting to get out of bed, not wanting to prep their meals, anything like that is just gonna deter them from their goals because their why is not strong enough. You know, I love, I love talking to you and I think where you and I connect is because we dig a little bit deeper. But what I love talking to you about is the human aspect it's not it's not just all right i should i should eat more sweet potatoes as this substitute or i should eat this or whatever but there's a when i've talked to you or heard from your other people that you've interacted with too your clients and whatnot it's really about this whole and the reviews too are all about dr smith cares about who you are and as human and you can even see this when you're talking about these kids like well what is their diet and when why are we doing this so asking that that why face. So for you, I want to know, was there anything else too? Was there another reason why you wanted to get super jacked or get fit? Was it really just because you thought it was cool, which is totally fine? Or was there something else that you found uh, pleasure in? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think with me, um, a lot of times, like my first degree in, in studying business and communication, I didn't find really challenging. So it was a challenge for me to change my physical shape because I had been around a bunch of people that did have more muscle and and I wanted to do that. And my heroes growing up, you know, growing up um, in the 70s, 80s was like Hulk Hogan, G.I. Joe, you know, Stallone, Schwarzenegger, things like that of seeing that and my physique wasn't ever there. So looking at that being in my mid 20s, 30s, I figured like, can I do this? And how do I start working toward this goal? instead of looking at my smaller town and saying like, this is what their typical body shape is, which is pear, BMI really high, which is obviously we know is crap, but just like, they're just big people. And I just didn't want that. So I wanted to know if there was more. And I'd never really challenged myself in the realm of understanding that fully. So I think that was a lot of it. And as I started seeing results, I just kind of wanted more. So it was one of those things where I feel like health and fitness can be good and bad good because you can have a focus and a goal but then that goal line moves right you know you want to be better or you want the next thing so which is good because I feel like in health you should always challenge yourself to be the best every day with me working out and such I was starting to get this pain in the middle part of my back my upper thoracics and I was dating this girl that had worked as a chiropractic assistant for somebody and I didn't even know growing up that our physical doctor that we had do our actual physicals in high school and in earlier school was a chiropractor mm. we didn't really mention it and i well, didn't have a lot of that influence we had actually two chiropractors in my very small town and so she said well why don't you go to a chiropractor so what do you mean so we went and for me going how they took me in explained did some x-rays explained like the movements why that was like that also linked it back to nutrition because I was eating horribly, my diet was crap, I was sleeping horribly, and really just created and showed me the perfect storm of what was going on. So then um, 
I was very interested and we, I started going, started seeing some results. And then within me, probably six months of just going, uh, probably like once a week for a while, then every other week, uh, I just researched it and said, I wonder if I can do this. Yeah. So I talked to the doctor and said, well, what requirements do you need? And he said, well, this is typically what you need. And then I just made the decision. I just made the jump, like, I'm gonna do this. So I was in debt a lot, so I worked three jobs. That's one of the bouncing jobs. I had an outside sales job and I had a bartending job. So I worked three jobs to pay off all my stuff so I would, could go into chiropractic school without minimal debt or without extra debt because I knew I was gonna have to loan everything out. Yeah. So it was really a focus, but I knew what I wanted to do and it was just like, it just like clicked. It's like, I wanna do this. This is going to let me own my own business. This is going to make me influence the way that I want. I get to set the rules. I see the structure with um, fitness and how the body works and want to learn that as well as I want to learn the nutrition. So it may, totally makes sense to me. I love it. What, what did you tell your, did you tell your parents? When, do you remember when telling them this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first my girlfriend was not happy about that decision because she knew it was going to be four years of pure hell. Yeah. So we ended up breaking up, which is fine. Um, but my parents were very concerned at the cost and how long it would take me. But in my world, so I decided to do that when I was 28 is when I started chiropractic school. So 27 is actually when I decided I wanted to get ready for it. In my world, four more years investment to work 40 more years of my life was a no-brainer yeah. of doing something that I really enjoyed and loved. The good thing is, is that I burned my ships. Like I had to do it. Like literally I could not afford to fail a class. So I ended up going to Logan Chiropractic School in St. Louis mm. with a class schedule that was a, a accelerated science program to get your bachelor's in science then matriculated into the doctor of chiropractic. So it saved me a year of classes. I see. So I playing it smart. Yeah, yeah, playing it smart, but also like playing it really lean. I get you. So went back to like having to live with people and roommates and and all that, which was okay. Yeah. But it was really strange because most people that I graduated with now had like 10 and 12 year old kids. Right. And I'm going back to school. How did you get from St. Louis then to Chicago? I mean, what eventually brought you to this city? Much different than Michigan. <laughs> yeah, I thought St. Louis was a big town. So I guess I just keep upgrading. Yeah. So the neat thing was I had in my mindset, I don't, I know this isn't where I want to be. Just give me a sign of something. And a buddy of mine who was getting his DMD, so doctorate in medical dentistry, in St. Louis had referred me a patient that he was seeing for dentistry for neck pain when I was still in St. Louis. I said, hey, by the way, if you're in Chicago, I'm just looking at different spots. I'm not exactly sure where I wanna go. I just know I don't wanna be in St. Louis. Is there a chiropractor near you that's hiring? But I don't want somebody who's just gonna hire. I'm looking for somebody that's gonna sell their practice within the next five years. And he said, you know what, let me see. Well, his practice, um, Dr. Chaudhry, was practicing here in Willis Tower, and the chiropractor was right next door, who also was looking for somebody but doesn't advertise. So he talked to Dr. Chaudhry, and he said, why don't you bring that guy up here? I wanna talk to him. So I came up, and within two interviews, I ended up deciding I wanna travel. When we return, Dr. Smith tells us more about the crazy story of how he started his practice, how he got into bodybuilding, and the disappointment that came with it. Why don't diets work and why is it so hard to lose fat? I'll give you two reasons. 
knowledge, and accountability. Let me give you two stories too. This guy named Matt came in in February at 252 pounds, and today he's 209. Alejandro was 290 pounds, today 244. So why did working with me work for them? Because I kept them accountable as their coach. With JitFit.com, I send you a playlist of randomized one-minute workouts, and you follow along with me as I do the workouts. But also, there's a human component. We text every day. I text you how much water I'm drinking and what I'm eating, and you do the same. This allows me to see what you're consuming so I can make edits to it. Additionally, every Monday you weigh in, you give me your weight, and I give you a short-term goal for Friday. The journey is hard and becomes much more attainable if you think of it as a lot of little goals instead of one big goal. Unlike these other fat loss programs, this one has a real human involved, me. I can adapt workouts and diets to your lifestyle, and there's no DVD or AI that can do that at all. For only $30 a month, you can join the JitFit family and hit that long-term weight goal you haven't seen since forever. Learn more at JitFit.com. This segment is called Fit Tip, and it's where I have one minute to explain the data and science behind a fitness tip. Today, I want to talk about the Japanese. Have you ever wondered how a land with one of the smallest people could also make sumos? It really comes down to timing as an aspect of diet. You see, sumos get up at about 5 a.m., work out for five hours, eat a big porridge called chanko nabi that is full of meats and other proteins, go to sleep, wake up, go about their daily lives, eat, and sleep again. Did you catch it? Eating and sleeping right after. When we sleep, our metabolism drops because we simply don't move and our body says, hey, the food you have in your stomach right now is not being used, so I'm going to make it reserve energy, aka fat, and put it to the side. So if you ever feel fat, just think that you have all this reserve energy. You're like a Tesla Powerwall. To help, try to finish meals two hours before going to bed. If you'd like to read more about this, you can go to chicagoschoolofgrappling.com forward slash advice and look for the article titled counting hours is just as important as counting calories or click the link in the description when we left dr smith talked about wanting to start a practice in chicago and working for a chiropractor but there were some complications so he wanted his emotional thing is he wanted to go back to india so um within me only running the practice for about six to eight weeks he went back to india for two months and by the time he came back in two months i had doubled the volume of the practice so he did very passive care was very late with patients versus my structure of how i do things and i'm used to rehabilitation care so um when he came back i said this is how we're gonna run business and he pretty much laid off and let me see the patients so i got the volume up quite a bit and after about six months i said hey I want to buy the practice now. I don't want to wait because I'm not going to sit here and increase the revenue just to have you charge me more. Yeah. So he said, no, I'm not interested in selling it now. I said, I'm not interested in staying. So I left and went to a practice in River North, which practices high volume, very little patient time, less than five minutes with yeah. the patient. Um, billing, billing, billing. It just, oh, if you're sore tomorrow, come back in, come back in. I mean, you would see patients on a, a treatment plan for 40, 50, 60 visits versus my average is like six to 10 now. Um, and so it was a complete opposite and a big philosophical problem. So what was nice is that as I learned that about four months of me working there, the owner from Willis Tower got a hold of me and said, okay, the practice is tanking. They obviously love you. What can we do? So we wow. started negotiating. And about four months later, I took over the practice and bought it. Very cool. Very, very, very cool. Coming out of school, I had to be very creative too because obviously a quarter million dollars in debt from medical school. 
uh, how am I going to buy a practice? So I actually got him to hold the note. And so he financed it all. And so he still had some skin in the game because if I failed, right. who's going to pay him? So it was really kind of neat, and then uh, until you pay back the, the the total amount, and then from there you probably renegotiate. Yeah, and so typically with small business loans, they're not going to give you that until you have two years history right. of successful practice. So after two years, I just grinded it out, paid him a very large amount every month, and was showing profit. And then I went to the SBA and got that approved. So um, in the payoff, though, I put in a stipulation that if I paid him out under three years, that I would get a percentage off. Okay. Because now his liability is less, yes. so and he doesn't need to hang in there. Because if not, then why would I hurry? Right. And so, um, so that worked out, and then I paid him off, and it was all mine. I love the hustle. I love it so much. You know, I I have this adage that I'll say is that just because you are a pilot doesn't mean you know how to run an airline. Just because you are a physician doesn't mean you know how to run a hospital. It's all the stuff, and. You definitely see it where when the person has the mix of both though, they know how to be a good caretaker to a patient or to a client or to a customer or whatever. Yeah. They also know how to advertise. I remember growing up, chiropractors were not advertised. It wasn't like it wasn't a thing that was so heavy. Even dentists too. It wasn't something that mm -hmm. was so heavily advertised. Here's your local one and, and there you go. Yep. Done. And that's kind of what your choices are. I got to go on Blue Cross. Blue Cross or Aetna, whatever, and see who's in my network. That's it. Yep. But I really love thinking about the customer and how do we how do we get in front of them, in front of them? How do we make their experience better? Which is very similar to what you were doing at Bally's too, like digging deeper. Why are you here? I'm to lose weight. Okay, but why? Oh, well, I had a big fight with my my boyfriend. Yeah. Oh, okay. And you think this is why? Okay. Well. Yeah. So okay. So then that's how you eventually get to Chicago. Is this around when you started getting into bodybuilding? Well, it's actually kind of when I got into getting ready to own the business. So okay. this is um, me working at the one practice, not happy at all, needed to get stress and control of my life, and noticed that I was getting bigger. A lot of just cortisol just flowing, just I'm eating whatever, I'm working out, I'm just so stressed. I know the stuff, but we're on our, we are our, our own worst patients. So what I did is there was a guy that was in bodybuilding at my gym. He was the guy who sold me my membership, and we bonded because we talked about ballets, obviously. And then I said, hey, man, can I just talk to your coach? I just, I just need somebody to hold me accountable. I don't think I'm ever going to be bodybuilding or anything like that. So I just need to do it because owning a business now, having to pay the guy was really like profits and more. So I really couldn't afford things. Like I learned real quick about taking a girl out on a date in Chicago is gonna be like 200 bucks mm. right off the bat. So can't afford that stuff. Um, drinks, I can't afford anymore. So I wanna do something that's gonna network me, that I'm gonna enjoy, gonna hit my goals and just see where it's at. So I hired a coach and he basically wrote me a meal plan, talked to me a little bit every couple of weeks. And so after, um, doing that and I was training for a half marathon, which is the longest one I'll ever do. Um, after about eight months, he said, hey, you know, you have a really good base physique. You ever thought about doing men's physique? I said, what, what the hell's men's physique? Because I always thought of bodybuilding as like big guys, banana hammocks, just yeah. huge. And I was like, I never want to look like that. So I looked into it and saw that it's like guys that kind of look what Arnold look like. Just more your good beach physique in board shorts and just a healthier appearance. I said, yeah, hell yeah, let's do that. So we did it like a six month prep and I did my first show. Really? And after that I was hooked. Six months, well, so what, what changed? What do you remember changing in that six month period? 
only diet realistically if you had to look at my workout routines the only thing that i changed a little bit more was um cardio a little bit not so much but just it was mainly just diet i wasn't having a bunch of cheat meals here and there i wasn't going out i really don't drink at all anymore here and there i would be very conscious if i was going to have sugary things i was a lot more aware of my own digestion how things were affecting my body how i would hold water or not hold water how my weight would go down if i did this how it would go up if i did this and just a little bit more diligent about that but I prepped all my food. I would never really go out to eat because that also cost me more money. It was just cheaper for me to make and control my own portions. So I just bought a whole bunch of plasticware and a scale and just stuck to it and then learned how I could fluctuate certain things here and there. Prior to those six months, what was your, do you know what your weight or body fat percentage was at? So I started with him and I was roughly pushing about 254 pounds. And if I had to guess. 254 pounds? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I told I you I was getting up there. I see a picture of this. Yeah. Whoa. I actually have befores and after pictures. I can definitely share those with you of where I was. And a lot of people would say, and, and even when I show it, they say, oh, well, you still looked okay. I get it. But I was very like round. I was very bloated out. It looks like I have abs just because my musculature and how it is. Genetically, I just have that. But it was bloated out. Like those abs are holding on for dear life because there's so much like bloat in there. It's not because they're contracting. They're actually overstretched. So um, so that was something that uh, probably I would have to guess 35% body fat. Wow. 30, 35. Crazy. And then, okay. And then so after those six months. After the six months, I would probably say, like, you mean after the first six months, or you mean like getting on the sh on stage? Stage. On stage, okay. So on stage, I was probably, I think I showed at like 207 or something like that, and I was probably still pushing. Now on stage, I want to be about 4 or 5%. I was probably pushing like 10. I would love to know, when you did this first thing on stage, were you nervous? Were you thinking like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win it, I'm not going to win it? was because of the large drastic changes that I made in my lifestyle what I felt like I had given up and everything I thought I was gonna go on that stage and place and at least get a trophy or something um, so in bodybuilding what they do is what, what are called call outs. so you usually take top five and that's what you call your first call out top five is gonna get a trophy typically first is always obviously gonna win so you want to aim for that and then you have second call outs which is a second group no trophies third and then fourth call depending on how many so the field was probably about 23 24 guys in the first show um after your 16th they just everybody gets 16th i was 16th so oh, i basically wow. got dead last i left that stage like furious just like oh my gosh like i thought i looked really good compared to like where i've come and what what's what so i was not happy i remember even just like blowing past my coach when he just wanted to be like hey man congratulations and i was like nope i don't give a shit so it just did not feel good to me at all. I had some friends there that wanted to bring me like donuts and things like that. It was great because now you can eat them. But in my mind, I thought I was gonna be so much better. Yeah. So um, so it took me you know a little bit, and I came back for the night show. It's funny because if you look at my picture, I was not smiling. I didn't like mean to be a jerk, but it was, just kind of came through. I get it, man. Yeah, yeah. So that was interesting, and uh, so I was pretty pissed, but I used it as fuel of like I want to get better, and that's what really hooked me. Because honestly, if I would have won or got top few, whatever, solved it. Yeah, I'd probably be like, that was great, bucket list, I'm done. But because of that, I wanted to push further and get better. What was your next tournament? So that show was about this time of the year. So in May, gosh, now like four years ago. 
um, and then I wanted to do another show in July. So that one, I did a little bit better and placed higher. Okay. So I felt like, okay, that's good. What do we do? And I didn't learn to use the off season effectively until a couple of years later, because then I'd be after all that dieting and looking at dieting as like a punishment or looking at it a different way, not understanding like this is the things that I'm doing to change my physique to have it sustainable over time. Because uh, a lot of people look at diets as like a short term period and then just go back to you know, what they're doing. That's why they have to keep dieting versus so I then took some off season and then it would come around to be like January, February. I want to do shows again. I'd start prepping again. And then that next prep, I learned a lot that season. So I did really well, and that's when I placed second in two classes in Wisconsin in August or something of that year, or yeah, or July, and then also then one in, Mich- one in Michigan for my age group. Wow. Nice. So, which was good, because now I'm like, okay, what I'm doing and the work is like there. Yeah. So then now that I'm there, I wanted to say like, okay, well, I've won, now what? Because I have to decide, right? Because I won local, so what do you do next? And like, what do I want out of this? Yeah. And so I decided that, yeah, I want to keep going. And so that's when we started using off seasons more effectively. I didn't let my weight go all the way back up. It's easier because now being 40, if I let my skin stretch, it doesn't just come back. Yeah. And that shows up on stage, yeah. especially when you lose weight real quick. So I needed to keep my body fat under a reasonable amount, train, put muscle on because it's not a diet contest, not a Jenny Curry contest. A lot of times in the beginning, that's what I thought. I just need to get lean enough because I got the muscle there. That's not the case. As you get in the pros, being lean is the buy-in. Like if you're not even lean, don't even come. Now it's a muscle contest. So that's why I put more muscle on. What did your parents say when they finally saw you in this new, this new form, this really muscular, lean form? They're used to seeing the 16-year-old kid who's eating KFC every day. But when they finally see you again, they're, were they like, oh my gosh, where did all this come from? Or were they just like, that's pretty cool. Oh, my mom was furious. Oh, really? She's absolutely furious. Yeah. Being like six, seven percent body fat for those shows, she was appalled. She's like, my baby's so, so lean. Like, you need to eat. I can't believe this. And my dad was impressed. He's like, wow, look at your muscles. Yeah. But they were, uh, they hadn't seen with being in Michigan the training and how that happens. But just seeing your face kind of all sunk in and being that lean, they just, my mom doesn't look at that as healthy. So yeah. that was interesting. Where's my husky little boy? Oh my gosh! Yes, exactly. And he needs I, some more physics. <laughs> exactly. She came to the show with a bucket or something, probably, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Eat some fish things, Derek. You're so small. Here's some chocolate. Milk. I remember when I when I cut weight too. I remember I I got, you know, to like five percent body fat when I was cutting weight, and I remember uh, my friends at college or or whatever would be like. Your cheekbones are so defined. They look so sharp. They're mm. like, I feel like I can cut cheese on your cheekbones, you know, <laughs> like the cheese grater. So it was very interesting. It's got to fight it. She was furious about it. Yeah, furious. She was not happy at all. I almost didn't want to come back for the night show, but I'm glad she did because that's the one that won. Yeah, there you go. There you go. While you're doing all this for bodybuilding, I guess, how does that complement what you're doing here, too? Uh, that's a really good question. And I like to tell, other people that are uh, working in businesses or are trying to find their, their groove or their stride is that most times when you have certain daily habits and structure in your life, for me, it works out very well. Like in particular, winning my mornings, doing a certain routine, investing 30 to 40 minutes of just myself, not even looking at the cell phone to like 
look at social media, emails or anything like that, but listening to good podcasts, listening to good positive YouTube stuff and getting some cardio in and just starting my day for me has been absolutely huge. And having that structure, it's funny, if you looked at my business cycles, they all go up linearly with me and prep. So, because when I'm that structured, I come in and I win the day, I do what I need to do for work, I, I assess things a certain way, I know that I'm gonna leave work and go get my workout in at a certain time, which allows me to still reinvest in myself. Because as you would know, you would know with uh, a lot of people, even corporate lifestyle that's not make a business for themselves, when they quit investing in themselves, it starts to burn out and you say, oh, I'm gonna work out later, oh, I'm gonna do this, and now just the health just goes away. It starts to spiral downward. So then they feel even worse, which leads them into some other things. So it's very interesting that you brought that up because that's a huge thing of having that structure and those healthy habits is really what prep changed for me. And I think part of the reason I don't wanna let it go because I know my business will typically go up and having faith that it will go up if I invest more in myself. Instead of saying, shoot, business isn't doing good, I should pull some out of marketing or I should do this or try that. I literally lay more faith in just my own ability and everything gets better. So what is your normal schedule like? Uh, what's a day like? Let's say not not the week that you're gonna be on stage, but you're still in this phase where you are prepping for, for a competition. Sure, my alarm goes off about 4.45 in the morning. I'm usually uh, quickly throw in some type of uh, like coffee or some other thing, like L-carnitine, a few different things to help me just stimulate fat burning in the morning. Usually get down to the treadmill or uh, get out by the lake and try to jog. Um, fasted cardio for about 30 to 40 minutes yeah. something that would get my fat burning zone but enough to not overly tax my central nervous system so I can relax and like focus on my day plan my day think about the good things think about like what what do we succeed in this week what are my challenges and so I'm not coming out of fasted cardio being dead because now I want to feed myself so I'm usually let's see so so six so like 645 or so I've already eaten had a shower try to leave and be to work by seven. So seven to um, 7.45 is typically when I'm prepping to see patients, see patients from eight till about five, 5.30, leave then, go back to the gym. Um, so I'm usually there from about six to about 7.30, eight o'clock. Which gym do you go to? Um, I go to a lot of different gyms. What's funny is that I much rather do that because it changes everything up and gives me a fresh perspective on some things. And also um, I meet people and through meeting people, I don't have to market as much because um, they see how my work ethic and just like meeting other people to help motivate me or um, maybe I'll even like, sometimes I like to go to a gym I haven't been to in a while because then they are like, oh my gosh, like I haven't seen you in a month, like you're shredded, what happened? Or like, what are you doing differently? And it's more motivating to them. Similar like when we look at ourselves in the mirror every day, we don't see those changes. We see very subtle things because we're so um, just focused on trying to see bigger things, but when you look at it all the time, you don't always see it. So yeah, so I like to switch it up to different gyms. Very cool, very cool. And uh, I used to work in this building and a very corporate lifestyle is sit down, not a standing desk, right? Um, Start the day nine to five and give lunch in between and all this other stuff. But from the patients that you've talked to who are also in a very corporate type of setting, especially in, in the Wills Tower, what have you noticed is a common theme that could be improved? I think the bigger... I assume like, obviously diet, but I assume like posture and other stuff is probably a huge... Posture, yeah. but also not going... 
investing in themselves with certain things. There seems like always an excuse of why they can't get water in per day, which blows my mind. Why they can't get up from their desk and, and go walk around or just even get outside. I don't know too many jobs that are you can't just leave for a few minutes. Now, understanding that if you're on the 50th floor, like getting outside is gonna actually probably be a 15 to 30 minute round trip. I totally understand that, but you should still be able to do the basic things you need for your health. And if you can explain it to your employer, I think it's a little bit easier to tell them like, this is what I'm doing instead of, you know, I'm not going out to like smoke or talk with Johnny down the hall and waste time. I'm actually investing a little bit in my health. Uh, so, but also I see them working later than what realistically they're okay with. So when you set tolerances in your life and you do things beyond what you think is okay, at some point that check's gonna come due. You're either gonna become emotionally frustrated, it's gonna manifest itself by like increased weight gain, which is gonna frustrate you, your joints might hurt, your digestion might hurt because you're so stressed. When you tolerate those things and don't get them out of your chest, and again, going back and investing in yourself, either physically by working out, eating better, or emotionally just getting it off your chest and talking, it's gonna create and a, a dis-ease, right? And that dis-ease is gonna lead to other things. So I really would say that the corporate people, I really wish you would structure your day better and say like, okay, this is the time I'm done. If I have to work longer, I still take 20 minutes for myself and I'll come back to my desk. Because you would agree that work's always gonna be there. Right. And so, but why can't you put you first? Right. And if your job values you enough, they should see that. And if they don't, then you should probably find another job. Right. I've been professing this, this uh, insight that I've had that is your job is another relationship. It's as if you were dating someone right now. Yeah. Would you be happy with your job? And if not, then maybe it's time to go find something else. And just, just like that, if you are dating and it's like your job, then you gotta be picky. Mm -hmm. And if things matter to you, like commuting, title or whatever or how much money you make sure all those are fine but it's really being picky about here's what I want so for instance right even with your with your relationship to being like all right well you want to live in the city you mm -hmm. probably do not want to take a, a long metro train especially since you live in South Loop coming this I did that commute it's like 10 minutes it's beautiful yeah you can even walk it it's right. so beautiful and so you got to be really picky and I, I, I agree with that that people should be picky about what they do, but also really thinking about themselves being psychologically healthy, being very emotionally healthy, physically healthy, yeah. obviously. So I, I really agree with what you're saying in, in that aspect. Yeah, I wish people would look a little bit more at the job and not instead of saying, what do I have to do on the job or what is, is it my duties and say, what is this job gonna do to me? Right. In terms of, is this gonna make me a better person? Is this gonna make me a better husband? Is this gonna make me a better family person? Is this gonna make me a better manager? and grow in that because you would agree probably that people find um, happiness in progress. And if you're in a dead end job or if you're working out and not seeing progress, you're eating a certain way and not seeing progress and you don't want to do it anymore. So just find something you can progress with and grow with. Yeah. So for your patients that are coming in, what, what are they normally coming, why are they coming in in general? Um, so in my practice, I focus a lot more on pretty much structure and then also nutrition. But the majority of people are coming in for what they've been taught is health. So they're gonna come in for pain. So um, in terms of what people determine what health is, everyone has a different definition. But I would say the majority of Americans with how our insurance has structured things is gonna come in if you're in a certain amount of pain or relative disability. I don't get a lot of people that are like, hey, I feel like things are getting tighter. I need to get ahead of this. Right. 
it happens not that much. So they're going to come in for neck pain, lower back pain, a lot of your corporate stuff of what you were talking about. If they don't have a standing desk, then they're going to have like just upper tightness, some headaches. And usually that stuff tends to be tied in if it's more chronic to back to nutrition stuff and the, the healthy habits. Gotcha. So I like to address obviously what they think is their main concern, but dig a little bit deeper to find what the underlying causes are. Very cool. I guess what is the best piece of advice that you have heard for your journey so far? And what is the worst piece of advice that you've heard? Um, best piece of advice is to be patient and trust the process and system. So give things enough time to reveal themselves and, and have faith that things are going to work out and be positive. Um, with that, uh, throughout different things, I knew that if I set a, a goal to understand that that goal doesn't exactly always have to be met. And if it's not met, like it's just adjustments along the way. But um, I, I guess the focusing on ha that and having a vision of what you really want and, and seeing these things, doing the healthy habits of envisioning it, going toward these things, being positive, thinking bigger, that's been the, the more successful things. The less successful is really uh, sometimes people, people criticize or making sure that you're putting, I don't know, a lot of people want your attention sometimes. And when, obviously when you're successful and things are going your way, people want to try to gravitate to that or they want to bring you back down. So just, I guess the things that I, pitfalls I've kind of run into is sometimes always wanting to help everybody, but you got to remember not everybody wants help. So just like I do have people, patients to come in, but they don't want to get better. They just wanted the attention that I give them. Yeah but they actually don't want to get well. So, because then they're not going to get this feedback from people. So really just understanding that one, you got to take care of yourself, put your needs first and, and invest in yourself so you can give to other people. But then again, the bad side is just like understanding like how to draw that line. There you have it. That's Dr. Eric Smith of Optimal Health Chiropractic and Rehabilitation in Willis Tower in Chicago. He takes a holistic approach to help you relieve pain, lose weight, gain muscle, and improve diet because he's lived it. You can find out more by visiting myoptimalhealthchiro.com or following him on Instagram at shyfitchiro, one word, to see some amazing transformation photos. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd appreciate a review. You can find links for everything I've mentioned in the description. Until next time, go get fit. A KFC, what was your favorite meal? Oh my gosh. So here's a little trick. Um, I I didn't get this until like the last couple of years I worked there, but you take their um, hot wings that they have, or I can't even remember what they're called anymore, but they're, they're breaded and they're already hot. But then you take their hot sauce and then you put it on there and then you put it back in the oven. Like you double hot them and it's this vinegar-based goodness that goes over the hot wings and that's what I love the most. <laughs> So I don't even know if they still sell that stuff. They've gone through so much uh, different things, but yeah, like looking back in the day, you hear all these stories of, of what it was and all that. I'm just happy I still have all my organs. I'm alive, but it's just funny that I was like really lean then. So I don't know. Give it a try if they still sell those wings. I don't. That's your own peril. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, I hated the potato wedges, but I remember thinking like, man, this mac and cheese is pretty fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> We used to sell so much back and cheese. <laughs> yep.